0: Among the hundreds of people waiting to visit Mahatma Gandhi was a mother and her young son. When it was their turn, the mother asked Gandhi to speak with her son about eating sugar. Gandhi simply asked her to come back in two weeks. When they returned, Gandhi spoke with a boy who agreed to begin working on eliminating sugar. After thanking Gandhi for his advice, the mother asked him why he did not offer his advice the first time. Gandhi simply replied, Upon your visit two weeks ago, I too was eating sugar. He then explained he could not speak of or teach her son to not eat sugar if he himself had not taken that journey. So what this means is that whatever changes you would like to see in our society has to begin with you. The same is true with sustainability. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back everyone to the Adventures in Sustainable Living Podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 41, which is called How to Overcome the Resistance to Change. If you have been listening to my podcast episodes, then you already know how I live. I am 100% off-grid. Everything is run off of solar. We have a greenhouse and raise a lot of our own chickens and turkeys. In fact, I have owned my off-grid property for 25 years now. Now, I will have to say that when I started down this road, sustainability was not the first thing that I had in mind. I simply wanted to live off the grid, build a log cabin, and live as close to nature as possible, as well as be as independent as possible, and of course live in a nice, quiet, and peaceful place. At the time I bought this property and started working on the first cabin, all of my friends and family literally thought I had lost my mind. Fast forward 25 years and numerous improvements later, most people that I know want to come spend time there and they are amazed at what I have managed to accomplish. And the end result of all of this is that I now have a comfortable place to live, that is 100% off-grid and is as sustainable as I can possibly make it. Additionally, in our ever-changing world, I have to say that I am so happy to have the place that I do, and yet I sit there sometimes and ask myself why more people do not make attempts to do the same thing. I did mention some of these things in Episode 37, Sustainability is your best security blanket. By the nature of what I do as a veterinarian, I work in several different hospitals. And no matter where I go, I see the same pattern of behavior over and over again, and that is a pattern of tremendous waste. Some hospitals I go to are better than others about recycling, but overall, I see a pattern of tremendous waste. For example, When there are staff meetings, the hospitals uh, have food delivered, and of course that food all comes in disposable containers, and most often that is plastic. And every single morning, 90% of the staff walk in with something from the local cafe or coffee shop, and all of which is in disposable containers. Then at lunch, 90% of the staff order takeout food, all of which is in disposable containers. And I see this day after day after day. All the while, no one seems to care about just how much waste they are producing. So I ask myself, what will it take to make all of this change? Now, my younger sister and I have had numerous conversations about this very thing. And she is, in fact, a psychologist. And of course, it is her profession to deal with people that need to make changes in their lives and consequently we've had numerous conversations about the difficulties of getting people to change their ways. I do have trouble understanding this at times because I'm one of those weird people that thrives on the challenge of change and the new and exciting things that it brings into my life. In fact, I go through a very predictable cycle of changing my life around about every 5 years because. I simply want to make sure I'm headed in the right direction. So back to this thought process of all the waste that I see every day. The first thought that comes into my mind is just how much money these people must be spending every month on takeout food. Now I know that I must make two to three times the amount of money they do and yet I constantly bring leftovers to work and I eat restaurant food maybe once or twice a month at the most. So, the thing that I decided to do was to take a coffee pot to work with all of the supplies to make coffee every day when I was there. Now, I do not use an electric coffee pot at home because I use a coffee press. So, I had this coffee pot just sitting around in my storage shed. So, I took it to work for my own convenience, really not theirs. But I also wanted to see just how many people would take advantage of that resource. As everyone was coming in the clinic one day, all with coffee in their hands, I asked how much they paid for these coffee drinks from the cafe across the street. They said anywhere from 3 to $5 depending on what it was. Then I held up my coffee cup and said, wow, this cup of coffee cost me less than two cents. Then the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, I regularly reminded everyone that I had a coffee pot in the office that anyone could use. So take a guess how many people took advantage of that resource. Take a guess at just how many people took advantage of that two-cent cup of coffee versus three to five-dollar cup of coffee and the total is zero. Now obviously, I realize this is a very simple, seemingly insignificant example, but it illustrates a good point. I offered a simple solution to a pattern of behavior that daily results in wasted money and more waste in the environment. Now just to be fair, I must say that this particular hospital is far better about recycling than any other place I've ever worked. But as I've said before, recycling should be your last resort. The best option is to not produce the waste in the first place. Anyway, back to my illustration. I offered an easy, simple solution to solve two problems. Wasted money, more waste in the environment. I even offered the equipment and resources to solve those problems and Offered them for free. And how many people took advantage of that? Zero. Now, being one of those weird people that thrives on challenge and change, this is hard for me to understand. And living off the grid the way I do, I'm always reading, researching, experimenting, and attempting to learn new ways to do things that are easier, more efficient, and makes for less work. So when I learn something, then I take advantage of that, and consequently, I find it a little difficult to understand why others are not the same way, especially when you try and save them money. So, allow me to give you another example. About 10 years ago, I was hired by the president and CEO of a nonprofit organization to come in and completely restructure a veterinary hospital. This nonprofit organization has an animal shelter and a veterinary clinic. The problem was that the veterinary clinic side of the business was consistently losing money to the tune of 10000 or more monthly. The board of directors was considering closing the hospital unless it could be turned into a profitable business and thus the reason for hiring me. When I first got there and first met Barbara, we had a lot of candid conversations and I could walk into her office anytime and and talk about anything. And after the first few weeks of being there, I told her that I had some solid ideas on how to change things. And the first question I asked was whether or not I would have her full support, because I thought the changes I was going to make would most likely result in a huge staff turnover. She said she gave me her full support, especially if it meant the clinic would start making money. So, long story made short, I slowly started implementing changes and over the course of a year or so the clinic went from consistently losing money to consistently making a profit. And all the changes resulted in a 90% turnover in staff. And this was even after numerous staff meetings and advising everyone that if the clinic did not start making money it would be closed and they would not even have a job. Even with that notice, 90% of the staff was so resistant to change that they eventually resigned. So why is it that people are so resistant to change even when it is obviously too their advantage. Well, it is because we are basically hardwired to resist change. There is a part of our brain that interprets change as being a threat. It even releases the hormones for fear, fight or flight, so your body is actually protecting you from change. And this is why when people in general are presented with a new initiative or idea, even a good one, that is obviously to their advantage, they are completely resistant to any sort of change. You know, the same is true when it comes to getting people to change their habits and lifestyles that are destructive to the environment, so give it a try, I dare you, and do as I did. Offer a simple change that will save people money, offer them better job security, and is better for the environment and wait and see the result. Wait and see if people will voluntarily change. I am willing to bet the answer will be no. Yet it is so obvious that change is needed. As I said in episode 39, there is absolutely no doubt that human activity has triggered a vast cascade of environmental problems. And those problems now threaten the ability of both natural and human systems to thrive and flourish. And solving all of these problems of climate change and global warming and water scarcity and pollution and loss of biodiversity are truly going to be the biggest challenges of the 21st century. And I think by now, you know, perhaps many people know that. So why do we still go about our business as if nothing is wrong? It is because we are resistant to change and we are not going to change until we have absolutely no choice and even then we may even die first. As my sister so astutely said, it is if we are going about our business and we pass a sign that says, danger, cliff ahead. And the only thing we do is look at each other and say, well, it hasn't happened yet. And all of this, of course, begs the question of exactly how do we make changes and how do we convince others to change some of our habits and live a more sustainable lifestyle? So basically, some of these tips I will discuss here are really truly nothing new. These are some very basic concepts, but surprisingly difficult to implement. First of all, as Mahatma Gandhi so well stated, whatever changes you wish to see in our society must begin with you. And what that means is that you must commit to changing yourself both in action and in words. And this is essentially about replacing old habits with new ones. But as you know, this can be very difficult. For example, think about how difficult it can be to adopt a new diet and stick with it. Think about how easy it is to slip back into your old ways. But truly, it is a matter of making some changes a little bit at a time, one step at a time. And this is something I have mentioned in some previous episodes about adopting more sustainable habits. Make one simple change at a time and stick with it. But there is no doubt that if you expect others to change, you have to be the first one to do so. And not only that, you have to demonstrate the importance of that change. And as far as I'm concerned, the commitment to live a more sustainable life it really, truly has no days off. There are no excuses. If this is what you are committed to do, then your every action should be a reflection of your beliefs and lifestyle. Every word should be a reflection of your thoughts. And additionally, allow your lifestyle to reflect what you believe. There are so many people that, that hear me talk about how I live and so many people have questions about how I live, but nothing makes a better impression that when they come to my place and actually see it. Everything that I've built, every system I've put into place, is simply a reflection of what I believe. And this makes a huge impression on people when they actually see where and how I live. It is one thing for me to talk about it, But it is quite a different situation when people actually see it in person. The best leaders the world has ever known are the ones that were accountable and responsible for their own change. Even as individuals, we are responsible for everything that we do and everything that we don't do. Taking responsibility for that is the first step. yourself and is something you must do if you expect others to change as well. So when friends and family come over for a visit, your lifestyle and home should be a direct reflection of the sustainable choices that you have made. And if you want to see change, you truly must start from within. It is truly that simple and that profound the next thing to think about is that if you expect others to change, you also must have the right attitude. So when talking with people about living sustainably and getting them to change their habits, you must simply have a great attitude and not really be negative or forceful. And your attitude and how you convey a message is sometimes much more important than the message itself. A couple of weeks ago I was working in a hospital that I go to only occasionally and this hospital does do some recycling and they even have recycling bins around the clinic and quite unintentionally I tossed a plastic item in the garbage instead of the recycling bin and one of the staff members literally yelled at me about this and I politely explained that my infraction was unintentional and wow, talk about having the wrong attitude. The next tip is to really truly just share what you have learned. You know, after 25 years of living off the grid, I am still learning new things. In fact, over the past year of producing podcast episodes, I've learned a tremendous amount about additional things I could be doing to be more sustainable. So I'm constantly reading about new topics and when I learn something new, I immediately try to implement that into my life. And Let me give you something to think about. As a way of life, adopt the attitude of continuous improvement through education. This way you can leverage the one thing you always control. And that is how you use your mind to develop yourself. Personally I enjoy learning. It is stimulating and also gives me a new perspective on things. But as you learn new things, then share that with others and show your enthusiasm for what you have learned. There is no better way to get people's attention because people will stop and listen. The next important thing is get off your soapbox. At first you would think that simply telling people what to do and why would be enough, but most of us don't like to be told what to do because we want to be in control of our own choices. And our COVID pandemic is a great example. Public health organizations were tasked with the challenge of changing people's behavior by mandating such things as social distancing and sheltering in place and washing your hands and wearing face masks. Their resolution to this problem was basically to bark orders and tell us these things were mandatory. So in other words, they were relying on the standard approach to drive change and that was simply to tell people what to do. But as you and I both know, this was not effective. People were still congregating and not wearing face masks and not staying at home, etc. And there were even numerous protests. So this is a good example that a lot of people not only ignore directives, but even push back against them because they don't want to feel as if someone is controlling them. So we raise our defenses and avoid or completely ignore the message. What you can do instead is simply point out the obvious need for change and pose questions instead of making demands. So for example, when I see someone day after day coming into the clinic with to-go coffee in a plastic cup, here's what I can do. I could simply ask several questions, for example, Do you always recycle? Do you know if that plastic cup is even recyclable? Did you know that recycling should be your last choice, not your first one? Because it's far better to not produce the waste in the first place. So by simply asking questions instead of taking talking mandates, you stimulate someone to think instead of raising their defenses. And you also highlight a gap in the way they are thinking and hopefully this will get them to change their behavior. So they may purchase that coffee in a plastic cup uh, to go thinking oh I can simply recycle this cup when what they should think about is not producing the piece of waste in the first place. The next tip is create a burning platform. One of the easiest things you can do that is effective is to simply communicate the compelling need for change, and some people refer to this process as creating the burning platform. The most recent example I saw of this was a 15-minute video presentation by National Geographic, and the presentation was about how several river basins in the American West were drying up due to warmer temperatures, less precipitation, less winter snowpack, and chronic overuse. The simple truth is that, unless this changes, the water supply that over 40 million people depend on is going to run dry. So that is an example of creating a burning platform. In this example, there is obviously a compelling need for change. So The point being is that if people understand what the problem is and why they cannot continue in their present behavior, the majority of people will accept the need for change. And The last point that I want to make is just to offer three steps to overcoming the psychological cost to change. I have already mentioned that we are hardwired to resist change because Most of us perceive it as a threat. However, by focusing on three things, three principles, we can easily overcome that psychological cost of change. The first thing is dissatisfaction with the way things are now. And this is something that I have seen in my own life on several occasions and is I too am guilty of not wanting to change because I was comfortable and secure with where I was But it was my growing dissatisfaction with my situation that eventually led me to make changes regardless because I felt I could not continue with the way things were. The next thing to do is produce a positive vision for the future. Resistance to change can be overcome more easily if you focus on what life is going to be like after the changes have been made. And the last thing, of course, is to create concrete steps to make the vision a reality. Our former U.S. President Woodrow Wilson once said, If you want to make enemies, try and change something. Sometimes I find it interesting to observe the differences between cultures as far as how society works and how changes are made. And I was talking about this with some of our friends that spend half their year in Mexico and the other half in Colorado. And they told us one day the Mexican government announced that in one month they were banning single-use plastic bags. So in one month, you had no choice but to acquire reusable bags for grocery shopping and etc. And one month later, single-use plastic bags were a matter of history and that was that. The change was made and you had no choice but to adapt to it. And then we laugh because if that sort of thing were to happen in the United States, there would be complete and total outcry, demonstrations and protests and maybe even lawsuits despite the obvious benefits for implementing such changes. So I find that quite interesting that one government is willing to step out and say, okay, we're not doing this anymore, and the people really just basically accept that change. Whereas in our culture, the reaction would be completely different. So in closing, I want to just do a quick summary of some of the things I've talked about. So if you expect things to change, you must change first. You must commit to changing yourself, both in actions and in words. You must have the right attitude. Don't be negative and forceful. Share what you have learned. Make a commitment to keep learning about living sustainably and then share that new knowledge. Get off your soapbox. Instead of issuing directives and demands which threatens most people, simply ask questions. This will tend to make people think instead of raising their defenses. Create a burning platform. In other words, communicate a compelling need for change. And lastly, engage the three steps for overcoming the psychological cost of implementing change demonstrate a dissatisfaction with the way things are presently, produce a positive vision for the future, and create concrete steps to make the vision a reality. I want to close by quoting something from Margaret Mead, who was a cultural anthropologist, an author, and a public speaker back in the 1960s and 70s. And Margaret said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful and committed people can change the world. Indeed, It is the only thing that ever has. So if you are not living in a sustainable manner, then make those changes and encourage other people to make those changes because a small group of committed people can change the world. This is your host, Patrick, signing off until next week. Always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.